Hello and welcome to Confidently Wrong, a show by regular dudes talking with confidence about content we have no right to speak about with any kind of authority, but do it anyway. I'm Wesley Nakamura, and as always, I'm joined by award-winning director Brian Redondo and Savan Jones, aka Captain Bonnie. This is episode 102, and we're diving into the quantum realm to get nerdy about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I'm confident that it's going to be the best show you've ever listened to, and well, hey, if it's not, you can always ask us for a refund. Incredible! Hello, gentlemen! Welcome back. Confidently wrong. We got Savan back in the house. What's up, Savan? Howdy, I'm back. Brian! You back. What's up, man? How's Mardi Gras? Oh, it was nice, man. I, um... I think the I had a very successful Mardi Gras. I got her where I needed to go, did a lot of fun events, caught up with lots of friends and people from all just different chapters of my life. Uh, that is the most anodyne yeah, description of Mardi Gras. Time. I'm saying, like, so like come on, man. How I many floats reun- did you get on? How many beads did you attain by flashing <laughs> your goodies? Like these are the stories uh, we want to know. No, no flashing. An assortment of beads called at this stage in my life. I'm not trying to catch a bunch of beads, but I want to be near people and basically use my go go gadget arms to make like some wide receiver football <laughs> catches. <laughs> and so if I, I have long like arms, Megatron. So, yeah. So like my goal in Mardi Gras, oh, someone threw a nice bead, cool, or like a little football off the float. If I can make like a highlight catch. And just kind of have my little moment. People look around. Oh, good catch! I'm like, it's a win in my book. You know, it's a it's a win in my book. Like that, that. Those are the victories. Got to catch up with the homeboys, Tyler and Kendall. We haven't all been in like a group together in like over two years, which is wild. It's the Fanu uh, group. Yeah, Fanu. So it's a uh, got that was dope. I mean, Fanu. What is what no, is Fanu? No, no, we, uh, yeah, it's, no, no, don't. Do we we're need not, to get not, into this? No, is Mike but that's in just, that group. No, <laughs> no, no shade to Mike. No, Fanu is just what my group. That's just been like our game tag and like group tag and all our various games since like high school, middle school. So we've just branded that for any like groups we're in. This is like but, the the GTA boys, the Apex boys. Yeah, and then you know whatever we've been playing over the years. So you know, back in middle school or back in. Yeah, middle school was the MMO five MMOs for back when you played the first Modern Warfare. Like it's just whatever game we play. Hey, we all hopping on this cool. Do they have like a club or a group feature? Yeah, I'm like, all right, Fanu, let's get it going. Fanu's on it. Yeah, man, it's great. <laughs> uh, but got to catch up with them. The parades were dope. Got to see Mike. I hung out with Mike for uh, a what nice a Mike? little bit actually. Battlefield yeah, Mike. Up, he lives. Yeah. yeah caught up with mike it was like it was just a lot of just best of oh people i've known in life hey let's catch up how are we doing and the food did you get food? oh come on man i was eating the crawfish mm, i was eating the gumbo i was just going to gumbo. all my favorite restaurants i'm pretty fake? sure i'm pretty sure oh yeah i had like oh i had this nice brunch spot yesterday right before i left with my family i got the uh the catfish and grits oh my lord I 100% gained weight, but I think it was offset by all of the walking and dancing I was also doing out at the parade. So that's the best. I think I, I think I broke even. Carnival done right. Yeah, it was. I like to describe it as a. I don't have necessarily the raw energy I had when I was, you know, <laughs> 19 or 20 tackling Mardi Gras when I was young in college. I feel like I've kind of aged into my late game LeBron, where. I don't have the You're raw power to off. just. I don't know. I don't have to just run through the entire city like I did before with just energy. But 
I'm, I'm smooth. I'm efficient. I'm getting to my spots. I'm still putting up great efficiency and going to all the events, but I'm being smart about it. You know, I had me a pre, a pre energy ball gala, you know, meal, had a bowl of gumbo going in 2010 it, you know? Kobe, not, yeah, not 2002 like, Kobe. Yeah. It's just like, mm, just a, I feel like my Mardi Gras game has aged like fine wine. <laughs> and I felt every day I woke up, I'm like, I'm tired, but not because of like a hangover or something. It's just because you know, I've been up going, I've been up just dancing and doing stuff, but that's the tired I want to have. Am I ready to go back into it? Yeah. Let's get us a bagel and some coffee and we're going to get it going. So, uh, it was, and I got to spend time with family too. So it really was a balanced trip. It was the vacation I very much needed. Nice. Did you hang now out with the dog? The cold. Yeah. Did you hang out with the dog with Nala? Oh yeah. Come on, man. We was all up on the couch, just chilling, chilling, chilling. <laughs> it was me and her chilling on the back deck. It was great. We were we were hoping that you would log into the Instagram and start posting the uh, you know the behind the scenes of the Savant Mardi Gras experience, but that never materialized. <laughs> Those I think behind the scenes is just him with a scenes. PlayStation controller. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was out doing. I was out and about a lot. The problem is that when you're at those parades, there's such a raw volume of people. Your phone just gonna lose service a lot of time. So it's just not really an opportunity to be post. Like you can do all that, but I'm not. Uh, I can't post it. Plus, I'm already out here doing my thing. Plus, you know phone the phone battery, like, will save your your picture and you could do that later when you return yeah but also yeah but i'm already having fun just doing my thing in the moment having like i'm not about to that's too many extra hoops i'm already having a good time sorry sorry i was too busy living in the moment yeah yeah the only moment that i really (laughs) wish you captured was when you and battlefield mike reunited oh i actually have a picture of me and mike uh, well, so the like I haven't met either of you guys in real life, but I know you're extra tall. He's a uh, maybe I'm okay, extra small. And so I just imagine big dog meeting little dog and big dog like picking up said little dog. <laughs> well, not picking up, but it's actually funny because I found Mike the way I think I've. So it was he. I don't know if you ever told you a previous Mardi Gras story where his now fiance had a wig and I didn't recognize her. She had the same wig on and came up to me. Still didn't recognize like, her. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> and because Mike was at the bathroom, and so Mike came back and I was talking to him and his friend Curry. So I saw other faces. I saw other familiar faces of people I know Mike is friends with. I did not recognize fiance <laughs> who had the same wig. I didn't recognize the first time. She came up to me first. I was like, she's like, I think she could see the gears turning of me yeah. clearly, like for a split second, trying to like, you know, like figure out hey, who is this. And then, yeah, she knew before I could play That's it all. No, it was dope. I took some good pictures. Hey, wigs, with colored wigs, and like makeup, and then like a weird outfit and a hat. That'll just mess you oh, up, man. Like, there's no way to recognize context people. change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was um, all recognition. Happen. Cool. I'm glad y'all can take some responsibility off me. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, a, but all, overall, it was a really good time, and um, I was glad to visit home and catch up and all that. But also, I'm glad to be back in Detroit too. So I'm glad that I have that feeling. Well, this episode. We're going to mainly talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, which just dropped last weekend. Uh, we waited a week to talk about it because Savan was obviously on his vacation and we wanted to make sure that Savan was here. Um, but real quick, I wanted yeah. to touch on The Last of Us. So it's still ongoing, HBO Max. Um, we haven't forgot about the show. All of us, I think, are pretty much uh, into it. We've been you know, keeping up to date. So, gentlemen, the question remains, are you still enjoying the show Brian, 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, this adaptation of The Last of Us has just, it just continues to present us with new and amazing, incredible mm, moments, so right? Just like the kind of the kind of moments that everybody's going to be talking about the day after. Yes. Uh, you know, even my mom is watching this Whoa. and she, she like texts me after the episode and is like, is is so and so gonna die? <laughs> did that did that happen in the game? And like, <laughs> well, we're gonna too. find out, mom. We're gonna find out. Doctor Redondo uh, is in it. She's she's on the YouTube's watching the recap videos. Yeah, she <laughs> she's trying to like read spoilers. She's like Last of Us wiki. Like oh, she's wow. in. Yeah, she yeah. is in. So I think the the <sighs> show funny. is doing the game huge justice. I mean, before you know. Of, I don't even know. I don't think we even talked about it on the podcast, but you know, the show has given us Bill and Frank. What a mm-hmm. what an incredible relationship unfold. The game never gave us that. I think that um, episode, because it got such good word of mouth, also helped oh, like yeah. kind of ramp the the audience up for that show. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like that they had a big pickup after episode three. It, it, yeah, and it was a great on ramp for people, right? Because that show works as a standalone. And then two episodes later, you get uh, you get Henry and Sam. Are, the, are those the right names? Henry yeah. and Sam. Hittering and Sam. That that's another just like phenomenal relationship to see unfold on screen. And then, oh my God. of course, you get the you know the awful payoff at the end, um, which you know just like heightens heightens everything going on with mm-hmm. Joel and Ellie. But you know the show as a whole just feeling feeling like there is just this this power going on behind it this emotional power going on behind it but so yeah yeah i've been i've been really enjoying it um you know my one quibble though that i i'm starting to ask is is the show actually moving too quickly is it jumping from set piece to set piece too way too fast Hmm. in trying to condense the entire first game in one season of television so that's that's an ongoing thing that i have running in the back of my head on this one so i want to I think I want to respond to that, but let me just my thoughts. But thoughts on the show. I mean, loving it. It's a great adaptation. Everything they have certain parts that they've left almost one for one the same. And I've watched some of the videos where it even plays them next to each other, so you can see, and it's amazing. But then every time they diverge and do something different, I'm always just happy with what they did. You know, the way we're already peppering in little elements of the second game into you know i don't think that's a spoiler but like they're peppering in elements of the second game into some of what we see in the first game and it's just oh they're already preemptively building out that connective tissue to these stories they're like hey the stuff that you're seeing and what's happening here is actually going to be relevant in the long term especially if you're someone who's played the game you already know the significance of this stuff and it's something that for the new folks it's still just dope tv and for people who play the game it's like hey no we have we're playing the long game on some of this because the existence of that place, what was it, Jackson? That alone mm. is just like, oof, there's yeah. a there's a lot, there's just a lot of there's a lot of implications to that place even existing. So I'm loving it. I think the best thing I'm loving is that, and this is why I think the word of mouth with the Bill and Frank episode works so well, is it comes off as a show about these zombies and monsters, but they really don't appear in that many episodes. Or they do. And sometimes it's really significant, but a lot of other times they just they're not the conflict or they're not the the issue here. And it it may lets you know, hey, this is not the Walking Dead. And even Walking Dead was very people oriented, but the zombies were a lot more present the way they are compared yeah. to how it works in Last of Us. So I'm I'm uh I'm really happy with it. I've been happy with every change they've done so far. And so 
I'm excited for the ride. Though, Brian, I don't think that they're going too fast because one thing I realized from my walk watching of the playthrough and how the game has been, how the show has been, a lot of the gameplay really is like Joel just going around killing stuff. And that's not a bad thing because you need a video game to play. But when you yeah. trim, that's a lot of what pads the game out. So when you trim that fat, the show is actually hitting all of the main story beats at a pretty good pace and still adding along in a meaningful way. Like even like the episode with Sam and Henry, you know, in the in the game, it's a lot more action and it's less people conflict. But like it more or less is like it's not like it was significantly longer. It was just there was more fighting. And instead of fighting, they filled it out with character characters talking and like, you know, some of the other stuff with the group. So I've actually been really happy with that because and I know the writers and directors were intentional of just we want the violence to feel impactful when it happens. Because in a video game, you need gameplay. So you're going to be doing lots of just killing. And it's like, hey, we can tone it back, give it more people stuff. And when we do kill, it really it really hits home, which has been true. So I actually, I don't know, that's my thought on that because it's a valid critique that you have or a valid thought. Brian, do you want to respond? Yeah, I mean, it's like I agree with you. It, it is pretty one-to-one in terms of, you know, moving from set piece to set piece, um, you know, Scrap, you know, scrapping out the the gameplay and whatever, taking out you know all the you know shooting and stuff that Joel has to do in the game. But like, even though that is happening, right? Like one episode here, another episode in another place, um, a couple episodes in Kansas City. You know, even though the gameplay is missing, it's still I don't know. I think it still feels like there there could be greater room to let things simmer um part of what you do get in gameplay is just time with joel and ellie together and i think some of some of the way that the show has been written it's is very much about amplifying the other characters and i think that that is a correct thing to do it does make the show that much better but it it made me feel like there's additional room left um, or needed for you know for the core characters to also develop even more um, to not you know not just be sort of like the characters that introduce you to the main focus uh, who might be Sam and Henry one episode might mm-hmm. be Bill and Frank another episode um, and so yeah so you know we're they're constantly moving all over America city to city and whatever. Um, but like, could this could this one season have been stretched into two and felt better? Maybe I don't know. Maybe that'd be too long. Um, but may, maybe they just need more episodes for one season. I don't know. So no, actually, um, that's something. Fair, actually. Yeah, something to like keep track of. Like, I don't. One, I don't think that ruins the show whatsoever. Uh, it's still phenomenal as far as I'm concerned. But uh, you know, I I'm I'm left still like craving a little bit more you know <laughs> you have joel ellie blue balls no no i get what you mean though like the three months there's like a three month gap and it's like oh a lot of that's a lot of off-screen relationship development yeah. that hey maybe we can get a peek into that no I, I agree that's fair maybe an extra episode or maybe an extra 10 minutes of just the equivalent of what would be a deleted scene might just help pad that out more that's yeah. fair i agree i haven't i haven't felt that way at all i've, I've really liked the pacing of it um but i also like to binge things so you know makes sense all right 
we'll 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 revisit this. I think um we'll have a chance maybe after episode eight or nine to come back to this uh and, and kind of review The Last of Us as a whole. So we'll get more in depth and and we'll have the benefit of of seeing how the series really ends or how the season ends. Uh, I know they're going to do a season two. There's been rumors that maybe there will be also be a season three, um, which will allow them to sort of tackle the second game as well, which is uh, very rich, uh, the, the second game. So let's let's get into our main topic, Ant-Man and What's the Wasp, sad. Quantumania, a whole mouthful of a movie. Um We've had a few days. Well, we've actually had more than a week uh, at this point to digest the latest entry into the MCU. We're excited to talk about this movie starring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, newcomer Catherine Newton, who got swapped in for the daughter Cassie, uh, Michael Douglas, and Michael uh, Michelle Pfeiffer return. I just realized that they're the the masculine and feminine of the same name. Um, and very, very good, Wes. <laughs> and actually, Douglas is the masculine version of Pfeiffer. <laughs> I never knew that. Um, also returning in glorious, understated rage, Jonathan Majors as Kang. Um, not to Hell be yeah. confused with Krang. Though there was Ninja a Krang-like character. There was. Modok makes an appearance here. Um Another yeah. head inside of a container of sorts. Uh, so interesting, uh, random thing that my brain connected here. So anyways, no spoilers yet here. Savan, can you kind of set the MCU board for us? So where are we? When are we? Because that's kind of important here. Um, and then how does the beginning of Quantumania kind of fit into this broader MCU context? Yeah, so you know, we're we're in the MCU at this point. We're in the post-in-game world. We've dealt with Thanos, all that's out the picture now a lot of us, everybody just, you know, picking up the pieces. What is life after this? We've seen what the Wakandans have been up to. We've seen what Spider-Man's been up to. The Eternals have been doing their own thing. Doctor Strange is having his existential stuff. Thor is out in deep space. We have our Disney Plus shows following <laughs> up with people, you know, their own aftermath, whether it's Hawkeye, Black Widow, new characters like Moon Knight. We have a lot happening, right? There's not a lot of parts connecting all of this yet. But as we've seen from Loki... Did you mention Shang-Chi? Shang Chi, Ms. Marvel, yeah, Yeah, Shang Chi, Ms. Marvel. You know, there's a lot of board pieces on the the Marvels are coming out. There's a lot of pieces on the table right now, and we've only gotten to see some small bits connecting them. But what we still do know is that the biggest conflict is ultimately going to be Kang the Conqueror. We've gotten to see a little bit of him in Loki. We got to see the beginning of what that saga is. We know the multiverse is going to be very significant in the next big. Uh, Marvel conflict as we saw in Doctor Strange a little bit it's and in Loki and we'll see more Loki later so yeah Ant-Man Quantumania is a chance 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 to really get face to face with one of the versions of Kang that we'll be seeing and like what he brings to the table so really introducing like the next big threat uh, you know bigger than Thanos an actual multiversal threat yeah so he's gonna take the place uh, or he is kind of taking the place of Thanos in this kind of run, this stretch of maybe four yep. or five, six years or whatever that, that MCU is doing. Yep, um, yep. And it, it kind of struck me that there's parallels, right? Like in phase one, we got introduced to Iron Man and Thor. Uh, did we get Captain America in phase one? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but those were the all very Avenger. disconnected stories. They're just kind of introducing us to new characters or kind of setting up what their powers are, things like that. And so, we're sort of then, getting that again here in phase four, but now we're into phase five, which is where hopefully I'm hoping 
we're going to start connecting all of these random, seemingly random stories together in some way mm-hmm. um, and starting to head towards a, a collision course towards King. Um, which I want to... Did you have something, Brian? No. So I yeah. want to... To me, that takes us into one of the hugest strengths of this movie. Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror here. What did you think of his performance, first of all? Because I think there's only one right answer here. And then what did you think of Kang the Conqueror as a character? Brian, I want you to start us off. Well, so what's really interesting about Kang in, in this version, this iteration of Kang, is how different he was from the first one we saw in Loki. You know, in, in He Who Remains or or whatever he was called in Loki, right? He's the guy behind the time variant authority, behind mm-hmm. the TVA. And when Loki and Sylvie arrive there, you know, expecting, you know, some huge threat, instead they're met with uh, some guy who's just like really amused by them, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, he's like, he's a little bit giddy. You know, he's obviously, he's like, he's, clearly powerful right like he he's kind of impossible to attack um in that situation so uh but you know he's you know he's lively he's funny he's just really quirky but then when we find kang in the quantum realm what we see is is something very different we see a guy who is simmering with rage right he's he's seething with something behind his eyes like he's He's almost on the verge of tears with anger uh, whenever he's, you know, talking to Michelle Pfeiffer's character. He's talking to Scott Lang, you know, uh, and and so you get the sense that there is a lot of doom and danger here. You know, the TVA version, uh, it was sort of befuddlement, I think, from from Loki and company when they were confronted with him. But here, you know, Ant-Man and company, they recognize that this guy is a threat. and. And part of it is that the movie is building around all the residents of the quantum realm whispering about this guy and how dangerous he is and what he's done. And also the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer left all of them to deal with his chaos. Uh, and so so here we get Jonathan Majors in this, in this different version of Kang. And not only is he angry, um, he ha- he also has a full range of ridiculously powerful technology, and we're we're like, oh my god, this this guy has like telekinetic powers. He's got laser powers. He's got <laughs> force field powers. You you know, he seems pretty much like an unstoppable force throughout most of the movie, most of the battle, uh, and you know, and and then you're worrying that he's gonna find his way outside of the quantum realm, which would be a huge, huge uh, conundrum for, you know, for the entire MCU uh, or, or this version of Earth, um, the one that we're in. And, and so, you know, I think it's really his movie uh, for the most part, right? Like he, Kang as the driving force, as this really interesting character, you know, the, the agent of chaos that's going to change everything. I think this is the first time we really feel that and we know that, you know, that shit's going to go down in the MCU eventually. Uh, and so, yeah, I I, uh, I really love his performance and I can't wait to see 
all the other versions of Kang that Jonathan Majors is going to bring to us, uh, you get a you get some a, a bit of a taste of that. Uh, I don't know. If, I guess that's kind of a spoiler, but uh, yeah, like he's going to have tons of fun with this role because he could basically reinvent himself every time. I just wanted to draw a comparison that kind of struck me as like I couldn't. St- stop watching Jonathan Majors like every time he was on screen I was just like dang like I don't know I'm like scared of this guy I just want to see what would happen next what he would say next what he would do next you know and just he felt like he was just um he was dangerous in this movie right just and it was so understated right like the way he tortured them in the I guess we didn't say we're doing spoilers but we're doing spoilers at this point guys so uh Buckle up. Um, Kang the spoiler. Trap him, baby. <laughs> we in this. Yeah, he's like when, when Cassie and um, Scott Lang are in the in the prison cells, he's just tossing them around like ragdolls with his fingertips. I mean, this is like Darth Vader level, just control of everything. Um, and it kind of, the thing I was thinking of was like Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood, how commanding that performance was. You couldn't, look away from this guy who had like a, a cut up eyeball and a mustache, but not in a comedic way. I mean, this dude also felt dangerous. And so I don't know the two of them just able to, I don't know how they do it, but when they're on camera able to just sort of like take up the entire amount of attention that you have and not let go. And just like, what a, what a tour de force that both of those guys had. And Jonathan majors kind of achieves that level here, I think. Yeah. And he's able to do that even by talking in a low voice too, right? Like he, he is full of rage, even in his whispers and drawing so much attention from people is, is pure magnetism. I mean, there's nothing I can say that everybody in the grandma hasn't already said, you know, great actor, lots of gravitas does a great job of being able to be over the top and like almost hamming it up. But in a way that doesn't take you out of it and really makes you feel just how dangerous this character is, you know, like a small moment. But one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Janet and him fix the engine. Right. And she touches it and she sees all the things he's done. And when he realizes that she saw in his mind, you can just in the theater. I I saw the movie twice. I saw it with Tyler and then I saw it again with Mike actually, but both times I'm like, you can watch this man just be like, oh, what well, a cat's out the bag. And he just shifts <laughs> into this, like the body language shift, even just the way he talked, right? Like when he was there, he made himself sound more, way more down to earth and innocent. And as soon as he got his power back, even some of it, just his mannerisms and body language completely shifted. It's very, it's very well done. And again, just based on post credit scenes, all that. And what we know, like he's going to get to show off his range. And I think it's going to be a good blend of dramatic and making you uncomfortable, but still hamming it up because it's just variations of yourself. So there's just going to be some really ridiculous versions, but they still make you feel super, super dangerous. So, you know, we all agree that he's I'm excited that he's going to be the next big bad of the MCU, because now I know for the upcoming movies, he's not going to be the problem as far as acting is concerned. Now, the bigger problem, I think, is, oh, shit, who are we going to? who's going to be able to match up to him on screen in terms of just bouncing off his character and gravity. But that's like a whole nother conversation, but he was great. That's an that being interesting said, question. Who yeah. Knows? That being said, I have other, uh, well, we'll talk about some of the other characters, but I, Jonathan Majors was great. All right. And as far as Kang the Conqueror, you were kind of saying that you didn't, you didn't love Kang the Conqueror. I, 
I like never. A here? So a lot of the MCU characters, I actually know a pretty good amount from reading comics. I know next to nothing about Kang, and it's because I don't care about Kang. <laughs> like, I'm serious. <laughs> like when there's comics that involve it's not Kang, that I, I don't just... know you. It's that I don't care to know you. Exactly. No, it real talk. Because there's lots of villains. Is that what you said ca- to Mike's fiance? <laughs> oh my god! Don't do that. That's not fair. No, I didn't do it. No, 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 no. Ooh, Mike, Anna. That is. Y'all know that those are objectively false statements. I deny these allegations. With... Stirring the pot. Yes. Throwing the pot on me. Anyways, uh, <laughs> see, dang it. Now I, I lost what I was. I, I, ooh, look, I well, was you don't, Okay, so you don't care about Kang. And oh, yeah, I didn't he care about. up in the comics. Like, yeah, yeah, because I didn't skip. care about Kang. You just, you just, to me, to me, I've never been interested in the just time traveling villain character because they mm-hmm. often just feel very one note. It's just, okay, you're greedy, you want power, yada, yada. And I still feel that way, honestly. But I just have a lot of faith in Jonathan Major's acting in the MCU. I just think historically that has done a good job of making villains better than what some of their comic origins are. Like, I think they generally have a positive track record for that. So I'm just kind of putting faith in them on that, of me, me, them selling me on Kang on screen, which honestly they're doing really well. But comic character just wasn't interesting. His outfit looked hokey. He had the blue face and the really ridiculous purple green suit. You know, the movie did a good job of making it not look ridiculous. So, again, shout out to the design folks. But his just he never had a cool power set. Like his whole thing is just, okay. he's just a a man, but with lots of God level tech, which is cool, but just not. I've kind of been interested in the more grounded, more compelling down to earth villains than like the oh, I'm just a God conqueror. So I just never cared. But they're winning me over. I'm becoming a fan of them. You know, I also wasn't a big Thanos fan until the infinity saga so like they could absolutely shift my opinion and they're doing so and what i've read about kang's motivations in the comics right is that he's this time traveling guy from the future with as you said god level technology um but he's also kind of just a bored genius or something like that so that's that's his primary motivation (laughs) for going back in time and ruining things just jeff bezos yeah like he he's entertaining himself um and yeah, I think probably in the comics, like that's not the most, that's not the most fun or, you know, captivating uh, reason. So, you know, they have not got into that in the MCU uh, about why this guy is doing what he's doing. Um, but, you know, kind of. even if, yeah, even if well, that ultimately is, well, I, so the two versions, yeah, let's talk about that. The, the two versions yeah. of Kang, the TVA version, he's saying, He's trying to stop all the other Kangs, right? Yeah. And then in the Quantum Realm Kang, I correct me if I'm wrong, but he's also saying something yeah. similar. I, yeah. I think they both wanted the same thing, but had but like one was a lot more likable post victory, and the other is such an objective jerk that his peers all banded up against him. But I think they both mentioned the same thing of the multiverse dying, straight line, stop the other versions of yourself just screwing around. Like, I actually think they're, they're different, but very similar characters, which was so, like, he almost reminds me of the Lo- the Kang we got in the movie, almost reminds me of what the Loki Kang would have been like trying to win the war, almost. Like, right. I know they're still distinct, but, like, they're actually really co- two cool sides of the same coin. Yeah, like, yeah. Different man- which was and dope. That does, like, I-, I think that adds a layer, right? He's not just bored. In some ways, he sees himself as the savior of all life in the universe. Janet said it. She's like, she's like, he basically said that like, 
I'm the only one who sees. He's like, and you're the only one who sees. I'm like, yes, actually, I'm the only one. Like, I, I you, you're trying to be funny about it, but like, yes. And you know, his point about the multiverse dying and all that, and what we know about incursions from Doctor Strange, like we've seen from some of the Marvel stuff, he isn't wrong. Incursions, we saw in Doctor Strange what an incursion, an incursion universe looks like. Yeah, he is actively destroyed. trying to. He's actively trying to stop that. So like. They're already doing a good job of making his motivations better. And right, the end of Kang we saw in the Loki also kind of let us know a little bit ahead of time. Hey, this threat that this later Kang is talking about, he ain't lying. Like everything he said to Scott was true from what we know from Loki. Like, oh, he ain't BSing him. So like that, I think that already is making him a more compelling character of, you know, what does he what does Janice say? You'll kill trillions. And he's like, dude, I wish that mattered. Because in his mind, Saving yeah. the multiverse is more important than that. And I'm like, yo, if you're just doing it by the numbers, he's not wrong. He's still a villain, yeah. but like, right. He, this really might be a down the line with like, hey, yo, the Ant-Man Kang was right. And because he's beefing with his other versions of him, too. Like, he's very much on an island. Yeah. It, it, it's really dope. So one thing you can actually um, you can kind of infer from all of this is that, you know, once Sylvie killed the TVA Kang, that enabled all these other timelines to start existing. And in each one of those, there's a Kang. And those Kangs, you know, all do what they do, conquer, destroy, whatever. And then so the Kang in the quantum realm is part of that, right? He's one of those in some random timeline uh, and is trying to stop all of those guys. Um, But it sounds like, you know, from what we understand from the end credits scene, right, is that those Kangs have banded together and were probably the ones who banished the Quantum Realm Kang into the Quantum Realm mm-hmm. uh, to, pre- to prevent all of them from doing whatever it is that they're doing. They uh, want their so, own universes, and he wanted specifically to, like, stop that, right? Like, yeah. He was, yeah. Yeah. So, well, but it's also they want their own universe, but they also want access to everybody else's universe. Yeah. Like, they want to keep messing with stuff. Yeah. And yeah. he's... In some ways, he's saying, at least up front, I want to stop that. Now, whether that's entirely true, you know, we'll see. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of interesting <clears throat> stuff. Uh, and, you know, this could go in a lot of different directions, too, especially with that Council of Kangs. Like, who knows Who knows what they're up to and how, you know, why are they even banding together, right? Yeah. If and you see, they are inter- the way they are. Yeah. And you see, it's interesting because, again, because Kang is a character who I never cared about. I had to, like, look up myself. Each of those versions of those three we saw are their own distinct, like, comic versions of him, too, with their own, like, motives and such. I didn't dive too deep into it because I actually kind of want to be, this is a chance for me to be mildly surprised going in and not really know backstory stuff. But this is, like, this is going to be fun. I think this, Jonathan Majors, I think, has the acting chops to make this really fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. All right. Jonathan Majors, a win. Kang. I think it's a win. You guys sound like you're like, ooh. I think they're successfully adapting him. Jury's out, maybe. Um, All right. What other wins are in this movie? I've got a few. I'm going to throw them out there, see what you guys think. Um, For me, it was a win that this is the first movie in a while where we've sort of got an idea of what the actual threat is here. Um, I feel like in a bunch of the other movies we've recently seen, we're not really sure what the what kind of peril the universe is in. Um, And now I think we got like a hint of it in Doctor Strange. We got a hint of it in um, uh, Loki, obviously. But I think now we're really starting to understand the full like, okay, here's where kind of we're going. Here's here's how this is kind of going to come together. Um, And as someone who just kind of likes to know where like things stand, uh, 
that was a good, a, a nice thing for me. Like we've sort of hinted at it, I think a little bit now. Now we're kind of like, okay, cool. Like we do know that Kang is actually pretty dangerous. Um, and we're, we're going to get to see it. Uh, I know this, this one might be good for Savan. We're seeing non-humanoid characters in the quantum realm here. Uh, rather mm. than just everybody looking like a human, we're seeing actually like some kind of wild character designs, which are cool. Like they don't just have two arms and two legs and like a, a you know, a slightly changed face. It's like, actually, these are just completely differently made up, you know, beings, which is cool. Um, and then that Loved enables, it. yeah, that enables the whole gag. <laughs> Didn't really hate it the whole gag. And then <laughs> the drink, the ooze, which like, Oh my god, the drink the ooze made me laugh so that hard. That was good. That was a good writing. That was a good little writing thing they threw in because you know sometimes that's one of those things where people nitpick if they how much they care about that. Like sometimes they care, sometimes they don't. Know. How can they all speak the same language? And they just said, "Hey, we're just gonna nip this at the bud." <laughs> and I'm it actually cool. like, I actually appreciated that. Uh, so somebody back at home would be like, "How do you all understand each other in the yeah. quantum realm?" Like, "Hey, let's just do it." The writers like, "Hey, let's just nip this at the bud now." Yeah, that was awesome. And then respect. this movie did a lot to present choices that were like you have bad choice a or you have bad choice b and i thought that made a lot of like the choices ha kind of have stakes so like you know ant-man is having to choose whether to sacrifice his daughter or sacrifice millions um kang kind of forces his hand in that or tries trillions. to um trillions um kang is also sort of wrestling with this right whether he, well he's not even wrestling with it but his his idea is like well I could kill all of these people now and subjugate them, or I could let, you know, the multiverse collapse on itself and then everybody dies. Right. And so like he's he, in his mind, he's thinking, well, this bad choice is better than this other bad choice. Um, and, I, and I thought this was like classic putting people in conundrums over and over again, kind of made the story more interesting rather than just being like, here's the good guys and here's the bad guys. It was just like, Oh, here's a bunch of like shit choices that you got to make, go make them. Um, so I thought, I thought the win, the movie had quite a few wins. Um, Savan, were there any other wins for you, or are you kind of out on this? No, I mean, not the non-humanoid stuff, but I actually just love just the designs of all the worlds and just the quantum realm as a whole. Everything just being so colorful and gravity and angles and stuff not working the way you think it does. Just looking up and it's beautiful. Oh, that see, was... I wouldn't think you'd enjoy that because you like everything so grounded. No, but I mean, it's, it's like a just sent like send it like if you're gonna do it do it don't kind of like do one foot in one foot out type deal okay. it went all in on the quantum realm being this just otherworldly place where the rules aren't the rules and things don't make sense and you know putting and, and i'm not the only person to say this lots of people are saying it had a very funky star wars feel and i agree with that in a very good way i love that aesthetic and i love that it was adapted into the quantum realm mcu like that was a place where i felt like it would make sense you know it was the same reason i think people like guardians of the galaxy design stuff of like hey they're just having fun with some of this stuff and sometimes it's okay to just have all these funky beings in places that don't make sense but like hey you're not on earth that's how it is right yeah on top of the character designs uh, yeah, it was very like Star Wars meets uh, A Strange World, which is that other Disney movie that came out last year that very few people saw. <laughs> I did not see it. Poorly yeah. marketed, but <laughs> it was a uh, it was it was good. And then another pleasant surprise. This is what I was most surprised by is that I did not expect for uh, Janet and Hank to be two of my favorite characters in the movie. 
at this point, Hank, especially his character arc is kind of done. He's done all his stuff. He's handed over the company. He's learned to share the pin particles. Like his art, he doesn't really have a lot left to do as a character. Janet actually, but what was dope was that Hank was just super interesting as like a nerd. And I feel like they made him just really true to some, like what an old version of him in the comics would be like, I know people had mixed feeling about the ant stuff. I loved it because it was very much incredibly in line with just how his character is. And like, yo, this is some Hank stuff that he, this is on brand. Uh, I loved, I didn't expect Michelle Pfeiffer to just, as Janet, just be so good. Like, she no. had a significant... I, I, I enjoyed oh, her she a was lot. Good. I, think she, was I enjoyed good. her a lot. Like, her and Kang together and their interactions were amazing because unlike Ant-Man, who doesn't have any actual character chemistry with Kang outside of him threatening his daughter, those two actually have a relationship. Like they talked for years, confided in each other, talked about things lost in love. They definitely hooked up though, right? I think the writers threw in <laughs> Bill Murray. I think the writers tried to throw in Bill Murray as their hookup so that they could make that less of a focus. Okay. And make you not think it was him instead. But like, there's no way they didn't. Like that's just not, <laughs> I feel like the writers really, so, there was someone had this conversation in the cutting room floor of how do we get the viewers to not focus on Janet X sexual Kang. <laughs> yeah. Like how do we make that not the focus? And it's like, all right, let's just throw in Bill Murray to have that be the, okay, who was she hollering at? And it's like, okay, so she was hollering at Bill Murray, but not Jonathan Majors. All right. Baby. Yeah. We, not, we, and we know Jonathan Majors is a thirst trap. Like yeah. three MBJ and Jonathan Majors exist for that reason alone. Yeah. I'm just like, come on. Whatever. I think the writers are just trying to whatever go around it. You y'all, we grown adults. You use your you use your imagination. And but, he's called Kang the Conqueror. You tell me. <laughs> come he's on, not now. Trying you think to... you Yeah. No. But but seriously though, Michelle Pfeiffer was great. Like I her on screen, like the way she she really sold the like, yo, some awful stuff happened here. And I don't know the how aggravating I'm sure her family was was with her with her just the lies and deception. I was very much sold on like why you would just never want to talk about that again. Like people go through traumatic stuff in real life that's not that level at all, and they never talk about it. So I could understand just when she said, "Yeah, I just wanted to go home and be your parent." I was like, "I feel that. Like I, I get it." But I think that was part of that is a credit to Jonathan Majors because those two just had really good on screen chemistry and the interactions felt just very like oof. So I but bought. Yeah. I bought that they wouldn't like want to talk. I, I bought that they wouldn't want to talk, or she wouldn't want to talk about it. But there was a long stretch there where it was like they're being attacked, or like things are happening. They're looking for Scott. They know that like something is out there, and she could have just given them a heads up, like, "Hey, there's this really dangerous guy here." <laughs> right? Like, just give us a little bit, a li- you know? Like, I don't need the full story, but like, they were they asked her several times, like, "Mom, what's going on?" And she was like, "I can't talk about it right now. We're moving on. Let's just follow Never. me." It's like they got to know a little, like. You got to have a little bit of trust that like the people around you need some information to like make good choices here. And like she you doesn't have parents. That's, this, is, this is very much how <laughs> parents work. You know, stuff our parents are oh, 100% never going to tell us, even if the world is literally but, burning like, when down. Someone, yeah. Someone asks you directly, like, what's out there, mom? And she was like, uh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> like, come on. You're in the middle of a running like sequence. Like, tell them what's at least a little bit like, hey, this guy can kill us. Let's keep moving. You know, BTW, there's a warmonger here. Yeah. Like, just mm-hmm. just give us the headline. At least she would have given she gave them nothing except like, no, uh, we'll just talk about it later. Like, can we can we please talk about this later? We just need to stay together. <laughs> like, Oh, my God. Come on. Like, you so don't got to go do you, the whole thing. But when do you teach Kaya bit. about climate change? And when do you teach her about murderous cops? And <laughs> when do you teach her about mass shootings? Yeah. Let us know, parents. 
<laughs> gotta, you gotta let them know a little bit, a little bit. Give us the headline at least. So, anyways, I think but that's you the like most real. You're right, but that's also the most realistic part of the movie. <laughs> just, <laughs> your parents just not sharing pertinent information because it's just like, dude, what? what come, on. come on, don't you also have parents who like they're not gonna call you and tell you that like someone in the family is sick because they're like, oh, we just didn't want you to worry. You I'm just know? like, we, we, we wanted you to take care of your life. Yeah, but like, what if dude. you ask them directly, hey, is auntie, you know, so-and-so sick? And they were like, we'll talk about it later. You're like, but I'm on the way That's to the hospital. That's the most realistic answer. But that's, I feel like that happens. That is, I'm that is on the, the most... way to the, to the hospital. Maybe I could use a little heads up so I could take them, you know, a bowl of soup. You don't have to tell me like they got cancer. Just tell me they're, you know, they're at the hospital at least. And I'll bring them something. That's not how human beings work, dog. <sighs> that was dumb. It was like clearly yeah, realistic. Least, it was dumb, think, but it was realistic. No, <laughs> I think what you're saying, Wes, is that why did like Scott and uh, and the wasp? Why did they not throw a kerfuffle at it? You know, at the end, they're like, "You didn't tell us about that guy." Oh, oh wait, so that's a so that is a a critique I do have about the movie, which maybe we'll get to once you talk about the glows, because I do have like there was a noticeable theme in the movie that I'm like, ah, this is disappointing. <laughs> All right. So those are the wins. I also don't think it's controversial probably to say that this movie was a little bit, you know, inconsistent. It, it had some, some weaker spots. Um, what missed the mark for you? Savan, you can start us off. You, you got to finish this off on the win. So, uh, I think the biggest, well, there's one that I'm just not going to spend a bunch of time on. Cause like there's more pertinent things to talk about. I think, uh, the daughter Cassie was just a miss. I don't think she brought anything cool power set or just like character wise to the table. You know, Janet, I mean, like, uh, not Janet, uh, Jane, like Jane gets to, like, does she have a lot to say? No, but she still gets to be the badass of the group. Like she has all the super successful company and zips around flying. Right. Michelle Pfeiffer gets to be Wait, the, is that, are you talking about hope? I'm sorry. Jane, dang it. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Hope. hope. Hope gets to be like the resident badass of the group. Scott gets so to be the main character. You're saying character any man. of the female characters not good. You're just you're just hating on the female characters right now. What? what? No, I'm saying Hope was awesome. <laughs> he's just Hope, being misogynist. No, yeah. Hope, hey, that's I'm not saying, what this podcast is no, about. Savan. I'm saying that I'm saying that Hope got to be the badass of the group because she got to just do lots of cool action sequences and be the competent fighter. Scott was like your lead. Michael Douglas's Hank got to be the nerd. Michelle Pfeiffer got to be like, okay, I know the area, and she has the relationship with Kang. And so they all had something. They I know the area, the but I'm not going to share any information with y'all. It's cool. I mean, point is, her character still had like a significant role in the plot story wise. And I felt like everyone else and even like Hope, who had probably the least to do, still got to do cool action stuff. And right. I felt like Cassie was just there and she brought none of that. She doesn't get to be a super cool badass because she's inexperienced. She doesn't have a cool power set or unique things she can do different. Like she just took up space that I felt like the other characters could have just filled in in a more like you could have given her time and let that be more time for hope in the movie. I think yeah. that was a like just a definite miss. Like that was easily the weakest part of the movie. And then the other kind of what we were talking about with the forgiveness thing is that the movie like it had stakes in terms of giving people these hard to hard options, but I don't know. The pay ultimately the movie ended on too positive of a note. And I think that took away from what this larger adventure could have been. And I think the way they shifted, it could have been easy. Like even if at the end of the movie, okay, you've done all this, but to your point, Brian, all right, we're done with this, but now hopes 
relationship. Now Janet's relationship with everybody is hyper damaged because like a blah, blah, blah. Or maybe Kang does get out or like some, like I'm okay with Kang losing, but I'm not okay with all the characters at the end, not having some type of like L or thing to reflect on or cliffhanger. Like there's no, there's no broken relationships because of Janet, because of Janet's lies. There's no, you know, maybe one of them actually does get stuck or someone dies and you just like wrap up, you know, you knock somebody off the team just cause you know, I don't always say you need to kill people to make the stakes real, but like, there was just little things like that they could have done where the overall movie could have stayed the same and that would have just made the payoff feel better. But I felt like everything ending with such a relatively neat bow took away from what should have been like Kang's kind of like big introduction. And yeah. I know he left his fate a little ambiguous and I get it, but, and I'm and obviously he's going to come back in other ways, but they could have made his stamp on the Ant family a little bit heavier. Like it could have been, you know, maybe we reflect on Janet really being like, yo, I unleashed this monster and it got away. Or maybe we're still unsure or your family is broken and like, hey, this family has this happy start where everyone's all happy. And now it's broken because even though we came out this venture alive, we as a family didn't stay strong because of this, all this other stuff. Like there's stuff they could have done. And I felt, yeah, it was just too happy of an ending. Mm. It um, Good it was point. a PG-13 movie with a rated G ending. And I'm like, dude, give us some PG-13. You can kill somebody <laughs> off or someone can be injured or no one lost anything. Yeah, maim someone, please. Again, <laughs> like, lose I'm a saying, limb. I'm saying, Come like, on. you know, like, Hank Pym's... I'm not saying you needed to kill off Hank, but, like, dog, he could have... And even if he's not a super main character, you could have... His character's functionally done at this point. There's nothing left for him to do. Is this, There's just something they could have done. Someone could have been stuck in the realm. There's there's a different bunch of different slight ways they could have been like, all right, we're going to actually have character A through E be here instead of here. And they didn't. And I think it hurt the landing of the film. All the yeah. stuff up until that, I like good and bad, I can I can tolerate, but the payoff just didn't feel great walking away. I I completely agree with that statement. You know, the fact that they just were able to pull Scott back out of the quantum realm at the end of the movie, like no problem at all. Like it was just <laughs> it was it was just so it felt so unearned, right? It's like, you know, he's He's trapped back there fighting Kang and then like, well, we're going to just pick you up now. And like, you know, nothing, nothing of consequence really happened. Right. The board is almost exactly the way it was when we started the film. And, you know, I agree that I really wanted this film to go darker. Right. And it, it had the room to do so. It would have helped Kang establish Kang, as you say, but also um, just make us believe it, that the stakes were were actually real. You know, the the whole movie you have Cassie, who's I think her role was the SJW. Savon, she's like, Dad, why you know why aren't you taking a stand in these yeah, fights? And like, and that was and, that was good and, for a little bit, but there was a bunch of little things that they didn't do to flesh that out meaningfully. Yeah, and like, exactly, like because I don't think there's anything wrong with like her point about, hey, Dad, you should still do something instead of being like a celebrity. Like she was a hundred percent right. Yeah, like I agreed, but man, just she could have had. I don't know. They, they still gave her too much. She still had too much movie than she had too much movie for. <laughs> but like, I think like her making that point makes you want or need Scott to actually live up to whatever that means right like i in this film in this movie i don't get the sense that he really changed or that he you know you know went outside of him went outside of himself to like save people right so like the whole time i'm thinking 
Scott's, still, Scott's yeah, gonna die, changed. or Scott's gonna sacrifice himself, or you know, and you know, and I think the trailers are trying to hint at that too, right? That this they is gonna be a more serious turn for Scott, and like you know, and, and he's he's fighting for his family, he's fighting for his daughter. Let me see him scrap tooth and nail and really, you know, sacrifice himself, whatever it takes at all costs, to do something that is right or to do something uh, for the people that he loves. And we don't get that. It was, <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, oh, Modoc comes in and the ants come in to take care of mm-hmm. Kang. And then and then he gets in this like little fist fight. And then whoop, hope hope comes in, pulls you out of the quantum realm, like done. So I think that just kind of undercut a lot of the story. Uh and so it it yeah, it when you don't stick the landing in a movie that's really trying to establish the major bad for the next several phases of the MCU, you're going to leave audiences wanting. Yeah. I mean, like to your point, and it's interesting because they had it up until the very end, literally, even when Kang's like, you think you could win? He's like, no, I just need us both to lose. I'm like, cool. Self-sacrifice. You're going to trap him here. Like they had it all set up right there. (laughs) All you had. And I even think hope coming in to punch. It was right there. I think even hope zapping in to punch him. I thought that was fine. Of like, all right, do the last minute denial. I'm cool with that. But I needed the two of them to stay in the quantum realm. Like that's like, that would have stuck the landing of, oh, sacrifice. They And it reestablishes because, you know, it wasn't a big focus, but like, okay, these two still are love interests and they're supposed to have their own, like, that would have driven home a bunch of other things that once you undid that, it's like, Oh, it, like clearly there was someone in the, in the executive suite or something. There was a fork in the road of like, cause they wanted to kill off Scott for sure. And clearly there was like a, they had, they probably had different endings in mind, but yeah. leave that portal closed and then just leave it ambiguous. Kang, the Kang stuff could still be up in the air, but Hey, Ant-Man made a tangible sacrifice him in the walls. They're stuck there and they stopped this dude from coming out. And Jan, Janet can talk about it to the outside world. It would have been like, stuck the landing and all the other stuff i didn't like including cassie would have been like all right well it ended in something that made it pay off and so like i yeah man it's it's rough when you don't stick your landing like that dog and it's clear that you know marvel just be scared to do like sad endings sometimes like infinity war was so good because the heroes lost like it's okay for the heroes to lose because it makes the makes the bounce back that much better right like you know, aren't there Rocky movies? I don't, I've never seen a Rocky movie, but aren't there Rocky movies where Rocky <laughs> loses and then he comes back, right? Because the that very makes the first win. movie, he doesn't loses. He, yeah, he, doesn't it like make it when he come back that much? Like you can have them lose and not die. Like there's a bunch of, they could have had, I don't know, they were trying to do a lot of things and like there's just so many micro choices that would have worked out that I don't think would have been super intrusive. Yeah, clearly a C-suite, a C-suite executive at Disney was like, what? we don't have robert downey jr i think we need paul rudd (laughs) (laughs) we need him in everything now Hmm. yeah (laughs) all right um i had two major problems and i won't go too into depth i think you guys have highlighted the biggest issue i think now i'm like yeah the ending was kind of the biggest issue but what sort of led up to that was ant-man he kind of only had one move and he's clearly not on the same level as kang so Ant-Man just being sort of comedic, he's obviously not very, like, smart. He's not very, like, strategic or tactical. He's, like, maybe plucky, I think, is maybe the, like, Plucky most, is the word. Right? He's just kind of that, but <laughs> that he's, is not the word. On, 
He's oh, definitely. I thought you were saying like there's a character named Plucky out there. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that's Bucky. Kid. That's Bucky. The, but they're just not. They, the movie made it clear that they were not on the same level. Like Ant Man's only move was the the run, jump, and tap. Right, like that was it. He had one move, and that was it. King had several moves and several like advantages throughout the movie that were established as like, oh damn, like this dude is like a monster, right? And and in a power way, he's a monster. And they just never presented Ant Man as capable. He was always sort of made fun of. He's just kind of a joke. Uh, yeah, he he cares about his family and he'll do the right thing, but you know that's kind of it. And so it just never felt like he had the ability ever to really challenge Kang if Kang was like actually going to use his powers, even in the quantum realm. And kind of in the end, he didn't, right? Like, I mean, the ants really sort of won <laughs> Kang, the day. Kang dog walked Ant-Man and the whole Ant-Man family the entire movie. Like, oh, yeah. Ant-Man was the main character, but every fight, and it is not a close fight. Every time they fight, Kang wins low difficulty. <laughs> like, I actually think they sold me pretty well on the Ant-Man's out of his league. Because even when he was fighting through the little city-city thing, like, all right, he's holding his own then and still needs help. But, like, every time Kang comes in the picture, he very much, like, low difficulty. Even at the end when they don't have their power, because it's like, oh, you might even think, oh, it's because of the suits. They both have broken suits. And Jonathan Majors beat the shit out of that man. <laughs> there was a point he's where... He's, like, I, twice his weight. Yeah, there was a point where he was <laughs> really... should not be a fight. He's twice his weight and half his age. Like, he was, <laughs> I'm saying, like, y'all, y'all see, remember that part with John May? He was really pop, pop, pop. He really was doing, like, like, yo, that was from the Creed movie. That was, he was doing some of them Creed. <laughs> he was doing the moves from Creed 3 on him. I was like, oh my God. Like, yo, Ant Man, you are cooked. Yeah. But, sorry. And, but that I agree it, with you. Yeah, Continue. But, so that made it a problem that they end up winning. Like, it was just never going to be. It was just never going to be a thing. And it just felt like, okay, well, all I feel like now is Ant-Man has no actual reason for being part of the Avengers or, like, in this fight. Like, he's just a normal, like you said, grounded character. He he doesn't have laser beams. He doesn't have anything except run, jump, tap. And, like, that's not going to be Occasionally, I'm super big, but super slow. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to beat King. There's just, there's zero chance. And so, I don't understand how that, how they decided, like, this was the movie where this was going to happen. Because it's just not a fight where you're going to be like, oh, okay, it's a stalemate. Or, oh, like, Scott gets his ass kicked, right? Like, that that should have been the movie, like you guys said. It's just, it should have been clear, like, oh, Kang has this power. Scott does not. Ant-Man. And so, like, that's why Ant-Man needs to go get help from everybody else or whatever, like, to actually defeat Kang. Mm-hmm. Because he can't win. I think, And he can't ultimately... win. He shouldn't have won. There shouldn't have yeah. been a win here at all. I think you're ultimately spinning the block on critiquing the ending. Like, I think that's what we're getting back to the root of again, because when we saw the fights, Kang was winning. It's not like we weren't sold on Kang's. Because like, even right, when the ants came and did their ant stuff, Kang still sense. came. I think, they, I think that's still the ending. Like, I think this is one of those, the fights with Kang retroactively would look better knowing what the ending, if the movie had been ended, because then it would have really sold on like, oh, when he was cooking them in the beginning, middle and end of the movie, all of it made sense. So even if it's a stalemate or whatever, it's like, but yet to your point, like them coming out, winning unscathed, undermined him beating their ass throughout the movie before, which was them doing great. they never established that Kang had some sort of vulnerability, right? Like you're thinking Darth Vader, like big bad dude. dude, but he had, but... Can't, but like Vader's vulnerability ends up being that he has a son, 
his heart of gold. Right. <laughs> so to speak. Uh, if he has a heart at his all. His filial responsibilities. His fatherly but responsibilities. They, they never established any kind of vulnerability for Kang. And we know that he is does have a vulnerability because he got sent to the quantum realm. But that didn't get exploited here. That wasn't yeah. what they used. You know, like there wasn't, there was just zero way that they should have won within the framework of the movie. Yeah. So I think that was frustrating to me. The How is MODOK yeah. like chainsawing his way through Kang's force field? Makes no sense. None. Um, and then the the other thing that bothered me, and so I'm going to disagree here. Savan was saying like he liked Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. I thought the Ant-Man family had zero chemistry. Hope and oh. Hope and, and Ant Man are supposed to, or Scott Lang are supposed to be you know in love and da da da. They they didn't like they they barely hugged. I think one time they hugged. There was no kissing. There was no jokes between them. They had zero like lines together. The 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 parents you know um, Michael Douglas and and Michelle Fiverr's character like they were just kind of like whatever. I didn't care about them. Even even the relationship between Scott Lang and his daughter and Cassie like. That didn't feel like per- particularly deep or meaningful. Even when she's in prison, I know he's like, oh, wait, wait, blah, blah, you know, and it's like, well, okay, I guess. But, you know, like it just it's not the same as they've established other characters. And I don't know why, but maybe it's COVID filming. But like this one just felt like there was no actual chemistry or feeling or relationship. And, you know, if you compare between like Black Panther the characters in there, they feel real. They butt heads. They they have like heated conversations. They have like low key conversations, and those that dynamic is just so much better. And I don't know why this one fell flat for me, but I just I could not understand how this team didn't feel like a team at all, and never felt like a team, and never felt like they liked each other or togetherness or apartness to them. Like they just sort of existed in this kind of medium. I don't know, like just didn't care about it. You know who Scott has more chemistry with? Hank. Like his no, his his group of bad guys. Like yeah. the the other thieves that he was hanging out with. Oh yeah, the crew. Yeah, Luis the, and yeah, I miss yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's Luis? Couldn't he have entered yeah. the quantum realm with them? <laughs> I would have been, been way better. And like I missed the well. Okay, so well now he's polka dot man though, so you know I don't know. Well, I'll, can I respond? Polka dot man died. Can I respond? I'm gonna respond to that, Wes, because I have a couple thoughts. Some I like. There's levels of agree and disagree. Be quick. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas's characters. I thought their chemistry on the talking on the ship throughout the movie. I actually really enjoyed their chemistry. Uh, Hope we talked before. They didn't give her a whole lot to do, so I don't think really think she got to have chemistry. Like she got to be the badass, but didn't really get to be like have lines and agency storyline wise and but here's the real problem and it's back to like why i think cassie was just an unnecessary character unfortunately is that they wanted to emphasize the relationship with her and ant-man which is why uh hope was separated from them at the beginning of the movie you say why they're not together is because storyline wise they're in completely different areas in the quantum realm and don't interact until you're getting into almost like the the end of like the final act of the movie so some of that was like a writing decision of, oh, well, we got to develop the Scott Cassie relationship. But if that falls flat from and it the never bounce, developed. Well, yeah, I mean, it was I mean, there's a lot of reasons behind that. But like I think some of it is just this movie. They were trying to do too many things in this movie. And had they decided Sounds one, familiar with Marvel. Yeah. And had they decided to do one less thing, the other stuff would have had room to breathe. 
but like it's hard to introduce Kang and do like the Ant-Man family where there's like a family dynamic you have to lean into and like there was a lot of stuff they were trying Modoc to do. Modoc had an arc like you would have had that necessary. Yeah, the, that movie for them to do something they would have had to have the movie be at least another 20 minutes and I don't know if people are going to be hyped about a two and a half hour Ant-Man <laughs> Wasp movie. Now me I'm here for it but like to your point a lot of the characters that made the OG Ant-Man movies good, Luis, the whole crew, um, not even that, like his ex-wife and the husband, like he, they had a whole like Scott's relationship with his uh with Cassie's stepdad was hilarious because it was for once like an on-screen portrayal of like a blended family that actually and with, gets along. With, uh, Jimmy Woo, no, what yeah, and, and, it, and yeah, they did a little yeah, bit Jimmy of the Jimmy Woo? Woo in the beginning opening montage, but like I think you needed like. Cassie's essentially a new character and to make space for that they took they they pulled away some of the hope relationship stuff cut out most of the crew and some of them and those are a lot of the characters that gave the other two Ant-Man movies their heart which is what makes the Ant-Man character work but if it's just his new daughter character who's a lot harder to engage with and it's taking away from the chemistry with everybody else because he's so isolated from them it it hurts what made the other movies good because I thought Ant-Man and Hank on screen, their relationship is hilarious. You know, and he's like, you read my book? Every goddamn word. Like, the, the cheesy mutual father-son respect between them <laughs> is hilarious, you know? Like, that's why I enjoyed Michael Douglas. He was funny with every... I think he had chemistry with everybody because he's just a damn good actor. But I just think... Uh, I think, yeah, I just think there was X amount of time of things to do in this movie. And the Scott Cassie thing took up a lot. And it didn't land, which retroactively means everything else got hurt. And I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, like everything, oh, everywhere, easy, but... all at everywhere, all at once. Like Michelle Yeoh and her daughter in that movie. By the end, I'm like crying, right? Like how how much pain you see between the two characters, how it develops, and like that was well earned and brilliantly done. So I'm not saying like, and that doesn't happen in every movie. And so like, hey, they didn't do it in this movie. You know, like I couldn't have done it better. Just oh, I wanted, I wanted there to be just more meat on in, in these all these relationships oh no but i this agree movie, i just think that's the why i agree with you yeah though. everything you said most of the stuff you said i agree this movie though did benefit from one particular on-screen bit of chemistry that i think was off the charts it's really with hank pym and bill murray when bill murray <laughs> oh is God. like eskimo bros huh eskimo yeah. bros <laughs> they even did the human joke human and, and oh that's what you call yourself human in all the ways that matter i was like that was and even when he talks about the rebound in the ship he's just like why didn't it work out? She wasn't you, baby. <laughs> like, yes, yes. I, I'm with you. I don't know. I, there was a lot of there was a lot of still really funny standout parts of the movie. It's just you know the big broad strokes are like, oh man, there's so much potential. All right. In a rather spectacular sequence in the movie, Ant Man kind of gets into this probability field or quantum effect. I don't. They did. They tried to explain it. I, I didn't really get it. But there's like millions of Ant Man that just kind of appear, and they're all different versions of him with slightly different personalities or slightly different histories. But what happens is one of one of the versions of Scott Lang that gets generated is his Baskin Robbins self uh, with his name tag saying Jack. So. I wanted to take us a little bit out of the realm of this movie, but just connect it. What is the most obscure or annoying job you've ever had? Brian, I want to hear your answer. I Well, so it's a little bit annoying, but it's more so that it's obscure. One summer in high school, oh boy. Uh, a homie of mine was like, yo, yo, come to this thing. Come in, come in, uh, interview for this job. And, 
and it was like it's like the mo it's like the most unbelievable kind of job. It was basically us taking the train to Queens to Flushing Meadows to try out to be ball boys for the U.S. <laughs> Open. Did you make it? And and like I didn't even know what I was getting into, and I made it. Hey, I became I became a U.S. Open ball boy for like several weeks one summer, and you know I'm like positioned at the net, which means like. Anytime that the ball hits the net, I got to sprint across the court, <laughs> grab scoop it. up a ball with my hands, you know, not make an idiot myself in front of like a stadium of people and on TV occasionally uh, and make it to the other side of the court. And then and then you also got to throw the ball down to like the other the other ball boys, ball people, excuse me, because they're also at the baseline. girls and women, um, you know, at the baseline. Uh, and I'm not a very good thrower. <laughs> which is why I was positioned. You're a at the shower. Net. Oh, sorry. Um, I try to be. <laughs> Good God. So, uh, yeah. So it was kind of like a very, a very obscure job. Definitely a little bit annoying uh, because you know you're a peon, right? <laughs> like you're you're picking up shit after people. Uh, yeah, you gotta like hand like dirty towels or like pick up dirty towels from the athletes and stuff, and they're like. You know, they're they're like careening or preening, excuse me, preening on the court, you know, like with their nose up in the air and they don't even recognize you as Whoa. a human being. They're just like, like, give me the damn balls. Right. And like, <laughs> were they really that rude? If you get in the way, like you're going to get yanked out of there. Right. Okay. And banished from, you know, so like some of them, some of them were quite rude, including a, a very famous women's tennis player. Uh, with a famous sister who shall not be named <laughs> on this uh -oh. podcast. Ooh. Right. Uh, so, oh, wait. So, when yeah. you say ball boy, this isn't basketball? No, no, this is tennis, man. <laughs> Yo, this on God, that you were talking about basketball this entire time. I was like, this is why on the Knicks just being... Did you know he this said was tennis? US Open. Yeah, he said US, US Open. US Open. US Open. Ooh, boy, I must be uncultured as shit because when <laughs> I heard US Open, I don't know what my brain did, but it did not just say, oh, tennis. I don't know. I well, also, I know it's in Flushing. I knew I knew where the US Open's held. So. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about Flushing. I, was just, I mean, I do know about Flushing, but not Flushing, but like... Sorry, Asian. that was my... Asian. That was you know, my, Asians you know it's about a toilet flushing. It's don't, cool. Don't, my, yeah. It's cool. Don't I the just, Asians uh, live out in Flushing? Isn't that, oh, yeah. Isn't oh, that yeah. That, that's basically Chinatown, like mega Chinatown is yeah. in Flushing over there. Yeah. The real Chinatown. All so right. I, that's, I a cool, if, uh, that's a cool job. If uh, Ball that's Boy lit. Brian were like a careerist Ball Boy... <laughs> Yeah, that would be you weird. You have yeah. a lot of issues, I think. A did lot you, of issues. Did you wear the uniform with the giant polo logo on it? They oh, had, they, this for, is, there was a way, way where they had that. This is pre-polo okay. sponsorship. This was Fila. That's <laughs> how long ago this was. This was a Fila sponsorship. <laughs> nice. uh, Are they not a thing anymore? Yeah. Fila's made a comeback. Yeah, sort of. Fila always like does this sort of like cyclical thing they're they're in they're out they're in they're out oh man Fila was so big in middle school those grant hills that had like the triangle logo on the side basically or like the the patent leather strip you know what i'm talking about no mm -hmm. vaguely the vaguely. grant hill okay well, i remember there were grant later. hills yeah 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 uh, the grant hills that's were not very what popular. they outfitted me with at the us my my random job uh in college I came back, uh, you know, for the summer um, to Long Beach and worked at a sushi restaurant. I got a job as a busboy, which was it was not my forte. I mean, the thing that I could do was oh, I could work hard. I could I could just work forever. <laughs> 
I, I would never stop. I was just like, hey, I was taking dishes, blah, 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 all this stuff. But man, you could what do if- this all day. Yeah, I was I was the Captain America of bus boys, guys. But I was bad pre-serum? at that job, man. Is this pre-serum or post-serum? <laughs> I think Wes is always sure. pre-serum. Yeah. Where's, look at these. I you, mean, you can't no, have the ugh. moniker no muscles no. and be serumed. I, um, I would, you know, sometimes I'd carry drinks out, you know, like water or whatever, you know, tea to people. Uh, and I, I pretty much think on the tray I would do four, maybe six max. Once I got beyond that, man, like I was going to drop that tray. So I, I would make multiple trips if I had to. Uh, and then... When you when people got there, it was the busboy's job to take kind of a drink order, just like water, tea, whatever, um, even sake. What did you want? And if it was more than three people, I'd write that shit down. I would. I had like zero ability to remember past three people. So uh, it, it was my, not things my, have not changed. Yeah, no, not at all. I, it was not the strength. Yeah, of when my you job. said that job, I was like, oh my god. Unless you just regressed, this would have just been really rough. <laughs> the memorizing was very difficult for me. Um, they they did tips kind of in a in a shady way. It, you didn't get like a percent of the tips from the waitresses or the servers. You got you got twenty bucks a night or like fifteen bucks a night, and that oh, was, that was damn. like so it damn. didn't really matter. They're taking yeah. advantage of you. Yeah, yeah. That's dirty. But but because I did like a good job because i was like basically i just like worked the whole time i didn't like stop they would give me more money so a lot of times i would get 40 bucks and stuff like that which probably i don't know as a percent of what they pulled in was like a decent amount and you know this was just i mean think about inflation or whatnot that would have been what not that old god damn what that would have been what like 20 years ago (laughs) it would be like a thousand dollars it was like 20 years ago okay well dang look that's (laughs) inflation was different in 20 in 2002 yeah i mean i i worked I think I probably worked like four or five days a week. So, you know, having <laughs> having 40 extra bucks was was meaningful. Um, so and and we didn't I didn't yeah, I'd get I'd get sushi every now and then like they'd hook me up with something. But we would I would make just like a they'd let me make like a chicken teriyaki plate basically every night. If I wanted, I could use any of the materials that they had and just like throw something together, get some rice out. So I would make myself a rice bowl. The The chefs would teach me how to kind of, you know, just stir fry stuff. And I'd be like, OK, cool. So. Uh, interesting experience, not one I want to repeat, but I thought it was a good, I enjoyed the part about it where I was up on my feet moving all the time. It wasn't like sitting in a cubicle, just like being bored out of my mind. I was never bored. That part was cool. So, uh, but yeah, random, random job trying to collect everybody's, you know, plates and shit. I was, and you always smelled like soy sauce. Oh yeah, for sure. Wonderful, uh, for an Asian man walking around, just like, we all, we all, y'all are friends. So you was, did he actually smell like soy sauce? Or was this just like a, I smelled them from across the country. (laughs) Brian would not have been around, but yeah, it would, it it was definitely, you smelled like something afterwards. Cause you know, just like the cooking that was going on in the kitchen. Yeah. You you just absorb it. Yeah, for sure. Savon, what was your random job? Uh, what would be your Ant Man random like? Oh, what? That's not a TFA Savon. Yeah, I don't know. I guess random because I mean I had like a few. Ra- I guess random is also tied with like my least favorite, which is a uh, when I was just like looking for just a more permanent or more like serious job. In the meantime, I just you know need bread, so I was working at the uh, UPS warehouse that was like around the corner from my house, and uh, the yeah, one off of Downman. Yep, you know exactly what you're I've been there, about. yeah. Yeah, so I used to work there for a few months and was not a fan. It was, uh, <laughs> I mean, because basically, you, don't you know, say. so you know those semis that you just see, like the big cargo semis? 
my job was just to load them joints up with just whatever crap people ordered from all over the world. So uh, I had like the place I worked at was like a little docking station where you had a bunch of different semis and you had the big semi trailers that are all empty and you had to fill them up and scan the stuff and stack it. And it was this crazy game of basically they want you to stack it a particular way to maximize space and protect people's stuff. They also want you to scan it like a blah, blah, blah rate. And I'm like, yo, dude, you have to pick which one you want. I can stack these boxes, right? Or I can sling. And then I would see some of the veteran older dudes. They didn't give a damn. They were slinging your TVs. <laughs> they didn't give a damn. Like, so like you a, whole, a whole lawnmower. Because sometimes you got to load it in the back of the truck. And if this thing has got a big pile of just stuff and you got to get to the back, you got to step and walk over stuff. And you go on just walk and step on people's shit. Like, that's just. Oh, I, no. I, so really? how many shattered things did you hear under your boot? Not a lot of stuff outright broke, but a lot of stuff. Like, stuff <laughs> okay. wasn't just outright breaking, but stuff was absolutely getting manhandled. Like, there's no universe where your stuff is getting handled in some way where you're happy with it. You better just make peace with that because that is what enables you to get it so quickly in the first place. All right. So how long did you last at the UPS? I lasted house? a few months. And then right. they had, like, a new shift supervisor from a different, like, a day shift who came in. And he was basically just like, all right. They put me here. I don't know. He's basically, basically, he was a hard ass, and they called me to the office and was saying, hey, you got to get your scans up. And I was like, cool. Walked out, and I just never came back. <laughs> I was like, I ain't got time for this shit. It's not that serious. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, about like, to, I, don't, I don't care about this enough to be getting micromanaged on my scans when I'm trying to stack y'all stuff correctly. And I'm like, okay, the alternative, I just sling the people's stuff whatever way, which personally, I don't care. I'm just trying to make a buck. But also... I don't care enough about all of this as a whole to even be invested in this long term. Like, okay, there's something else I can, but <laughs> yeah, but you always had like your jug of water because you had to, you know, be hydrated. And then, yeah, whatever temperature it was outside, it was in there. So if it's hot and wet and rainy, it is muggy and hot in there. If it's cold, even if it's the well, winter, that's okay. It's, it's never hot and muggy in New Orleans. So never. You should be. What fine. really sucked though was Thanksgiving because uh, that's when the, all the frozen turkeys come in and they used oh, to come in these styrofoam God. coolers. That had dry ice in them because you're shipping frozen turkeys. So you're getting just your your slide that slides into the stuff you unload into your truck is just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of just like cold styrofoam like coolers, like, like the size of like, I don't know, like a decent sized box. And naturally over the course of days, sometimes the joint's gonna break or spill or whatever, and then it's dry ice and it sucked. Uh was zero out of, and the thing is i had a college degree so i definitely could have gotten promoted really easily and done and i'm like i'm not about to be in this joint y'all got me effed up yo like, that thanksgiving because you, you could be just punting that turkey on the dinner table he's just like <laughs> fuck this turkey oh yeah I, like i was never a big fan of turkey as y'all have seen me say on the record in the past but like man that did not help i was like turkey is not good enough for this meaning y'all to be ordering for me to be having to be putting all this in this truck there's no turkey is not that damn good Right. That being said, I probably broke someone's TV, at least one TV. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Because it was a big Statue TV and I had to put it in the back and I had to like full body just because it wasn't going to get there any other way. Yeah. Hey, you know, got to do what you got to do. All right, let's wrap it up. Ant-Man Quantumania. No, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. What is your rating of this movie? Let's go one to five stars. You know, very traditional movie rating. I'm going three stars jonathan majors pretty much gets all of the three stars by himself there was some wackiness there paul rudd is still likable so three stars i would i would watch it again maybe in like you know two or three years but i'm not i'm not needing to watch it again anytime soon brian 
I'm going to go with like uh, 2.998 stars oh on this God. one. You know I, like, decimals in this I, I don't want to give it like the full three. The, the full three sounds like it's too much for this movie. <laughs> it was still uh, good. It was enjoyable. It was, I, it was I still know. enjoyable. It was uh, not a bad movie. Like, yeah. I, kind of like I said in our chat, you know, I enjoyed this more than Doctor Strange uh, and the Multiverse of Madness. But it's sort of it's sort of like in that range of movie, uh, you know. There are a lot of things, a lot of things going on. Some things that didn't pay off, as we talked about. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Majors, what a standout. Paul Rudd, you, like who doesn't like Paul Rudd? Uh, so it's you know it still succeeds uh, at those ends of the spectrum. But yeah, I, I can't give it the full three. <laughs> I don't want to. Can't. Savan. I'm going to give the movie a very solid B. I'm going to disregard your entire Yeah, that's not one to because, five. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with the one to five system. Because I feel like a three what a out of five. Game. Yeah, I know. Because like, I have just fundamental disagreements. I think three out of five. You can't have fundamental like, disagreements with yeah, the numbers yes, one to can. five. Yes, you can. Because the three out of five. Yeah, because three out of five really to me feels like six out of ten. And on what? a school grading scale, that's a D. Yeah, and I feel not like how that's works. not how I feel. I was thinking about that too. No, I, I kind of agree. Yeah. I think Six about things. Ten is like weird. I think about stuff the way I grade. Level. I think about stuff the way like it's graded in school on like a ten point grading scale. So if you're giving right. something like a sixty, I'm like, oh, you really didn't like this. So I think a three out of five is like, ooh, you know, if I got a three out of five on a quiz, I don't like, think anybody damn. else sees it that way. Well, it's everyone else is wrong, and I can, I can die on that hill. Point right. is, the feeling of me if I was like, putting a stamp on this, like a grade would be a B. Okay, a, a very solid B. Like, there were some things I definitely took points off for, but there was things I definitely gave bonus points for, too. Like, they did the things they did poorly, they did poorly. The things they did well, they did really well. If I had to lean more B or B plus or B minus, it's like, actually, no, it's just a, it's just a hard B. I feel, maybe <laughs> closer to B minus, but, like, it's a B. It's like an 84. Are we, are we, are we doing a Jerry Seinfeld movie? We'll kind of know what's going on. It's 84. I'm no, we just uh, have to say B over and over again. 84. All right. 84. It Sounds was entertaining. Good. I saw it twice, and, like, for all its flaws, and even the second time I knew what I didn't like, I saw it on screen, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. But also, I'm like, oh, I'm entertained. Like, I like that you say it's a hard B. That's, you know, that's definitely better than a hard D. <laughs> yeah, just, like, a 6 out of... 10 like oh that's not it's just not favorable i wouldn't show it to my mama like mom i got a six out of ten you got a three out of five oh, yeah don't no. show the hard d to your mama. <laughs> stop <laughs> <laughs> and on that note let's take us out hit us up on socials at confidently underscore pod on instagram we'll be posted in the stories we'll be posting some reels um your comments in the post or you can just dm us what did you think of this movie how good was Jonathan Majors? Let us know. Hit us up. See you later. We'll be back with The Last of Us. Maybe some Mandalorian next time. Ooh, it's back. Pedro Pascal times two. It's going to be the Pedro Pascal episode, I think. Next All time. Right. Mandal- yeah. Mandalorian. Hasta Let's luego. Go. Bye. Grogu. Grogu.